And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle. Andrew Morgan's here from Marknology, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship, Visited today by our guest, Emma, out of Columbia, Missouri, where our episode is called The Power of Curiosity. We're going to dig into uh, her story, what her company does, like, you know, her and her husband, I've met both of them, um, kind of what got them to this point in e-commerce. Before we get started, let's give a shout out to today's sponsor for our episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. It's always a rare treat when I get to nerd out about these topics with a fellow Missourian. I love that. Like, where did we meet? Do you remember? Was it like through David Dayon? Uh, yeah, I think it might have been through him initially. And then I think we first met in person. At, was it at Prosper or was it? Yeah. Yep. Prosper. That makes sense. Okay. And I, you know, there's not a lot of Amazon people. There's e-commerce people, but there's not a lot of Amazon people that I know of in Missouri, you know, it's a small community worldwide, actually. Um, and, you know, I think the people that introduced us um, were out of New York. So when they introduced me to you guys, and I was like, and they're in Columbia, like, what? This is uh, an hour <laughs> and a half away. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you in our home state. Yes, it's, uh, you know, I, it's funny, because I feel like a lot of times when people hear that we're from Missouri, we'll get two responses. One is, it's clear to me that they don't know where Missouri is. And so then without them having to feel silly, I just go ahead and anticipate that and, and give them, you know, some, in case you don't know where Missouri is, if you just imagine the United States and point to the middle, you'll probably Part get pretty America. close. Yes, exactly. America. So that, or if they know where it is and their response is generally oh. why, <laughs> or Missouri. well, Missouri. I feel like it kind of comes with some judgment of like, why would why would you willingly decide to live there? But I actually, this is a topic that uh, my husband, Ares, and I talk about all the time, which is that we feel like it's really a fantastic place to live and grow a business. And while it may not always be the most exciting, you know, we can always travel when we feel like we need some stimulation or to go meet people face-to-face -face at events. But for day-to-day -day living, we're, a lot, we're able to be really focused. Uh, it's not super competitive, so the entrepreneurial community is really supportive of each other, uh, and like you know, like they want to see local businesses succeed. And so, you know, maybe not our forever home, but for the time being, we're very happy to be here. No, I love it, and I think that um, I can relate very much to that as someone that grew up in Africa and abroad, and Hawaii and Tampa, and this is home, um, and it's a place that. For a lot of people, they weren't necessarily born and raised here, but they've traveled to here and stayed. Uh, and I think that you'll find that, you know, at least I'm drawn to a lot of those people, the people that have moved here and just chose to call Casey home. Um, but a lot, for a lot of the same reasons, like this is where we've built our HQ. Um, it wasn't just family based. It was um, 
one, it was an opportunity that got me here. And then I just stayed, you know, fell in love with the people. I think that you, um, you know, everyone's annoying. People are annoying. Humans are annoying. But like when you travel the world, there's something about the Midwest type of person that's just a little bit more tolerable. They're a little bit kinder, you know, yeah. smile a little bit more. I love that you say that because I've also done my fair share of living abroad. And I think that a lot of people sort of have this idea that it means like, oh, you hate where you came from and everything like that. But I actually feel like one of the biggest takeaways that I got from my time living in other places is actually how much I do really value where I'm from. And I can appreciate a lot of the things that maybe in the past I would have felt irritated by or, you know, it's just we have it pretty good here for yeah. all there. Of course there are problems, but you yeah. know, life here, is here in KC. Like you can, you can literally have like a skyscraper penthouse for, you know, under four grand, a three bedroom or four bedroom. Like if you want, like, I remember those prices at least a few years ago when I was like with a couple of roommates and looking for a place and I was like, is this real? Like there's literally a pool on the floor. <laughs> um, that's KC, you know, it's quality of life. And I think that me as an entrepreneur, we're going to dig into some of that, but a lot of my motivation that's got me here has just been, uh, I didn't want to drive 45 minutes each way to work. Uh, you know, starting my day and ending my work day in traffic was like miserable to me at one point. Um, and you know, you go through different periods of life, but, um, you know, it's something that I used to definitely reject, I guess, you know, there's so many people projecting onto you that the Missouri is country and cows. And there's very much a lot of that here. There's cornfields in Kansas. Like, you know, there is a lot of that. Um, but we have a couple of great cities like, you know, St. Louis and Columbia and, and Kansas city, or if you're in the Kansas side, you know, you've got, uh, less, less than those, but Wichita and Topeka and some of those. And, um, you know, Lawrence. we have some. Lawrence, Lawrence cool. okay thank you thank you that's a Columbia <laughs> rivalry um but great metal music back in the day like those scenes were amazing and I think the birthplace of basketball but you know like I've honestly been I think it was pandemic driven but I had to find you know Kansas City is a great place to be based out of but you know it's the traveling and uh cost of living that works for me so that I can travel and instead of paying you know five thousand dollars for a place in san francisco you're paying a fifth of that here and then able to use those money just to travel or to build your business or you know whatever that might be um and it's been a coming back to kind of the things i used to reject like i got a kayak and being out fishing and just some of the stuff we grew up being able to do around here that i just didn't partake in because you know i was insecure or taking on other things or somewhere in my mind had been like i don't want to be known yeah. as a country boy uh, but I'm coming back to it and it's, you know, it's been so much time, uh, on the computer that, you know, building what we've both built, um, that it can be nice to be in a place environmentally that is the opposite of that. So it's not all tech and buildings and like, you know, all that kind of yeah. innovation stuff. And you come out and you just still got good quality people and, you know, it's the birthplace of jazz and barbecue. Like we always have dope stuff going on. Um, I promise I didn't get sponsored by the city to say any of this. So. <laughs> We're, I'm not trying to get the plug to market Missouri, but um, let's let's go back from there before you guys ended up in Columbia or like you've lived around the world. Like, let's tell a little bit of your, about your story. Um, you know, we're going to talk about marketing by Emma, which is, um, you know, her her con her content creation marketing agency. I want you to describe that yourself versus me. But before we get there, um, go back as far as you want to. Did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you do something before this? Like, tell me your story. Yeah, so I'm definitely not one of those 
born entrepreneurs. Like I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they have the story of, oh yeah, I was selling things to my classmates when I was eight years old. And I just knew that I like that I was destined to be creating businesses and it's just in my, something inside of me. That was not me at all. Uh, I do think that's a little bit of what's inside of Ares, my husband. Um, and so that it was actually only when we met that I even began to entertain the idea of starting uh, a business. So I kind of bounced are you, around are you a from lot of here. Where, where did you grow I up? I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in Columbia and I, you know, swore up and down. I will never, ever, ever live in Columbia for the rest of my life. As soon as I graduate high school, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back. And it's like, it has some weird gravitational pull. And so I leave and I come back and I leave and I come back. And so I went away to school, but then I ended up coming back and graduating from the University of Missouri. And then I left and um, I taught English in Spain for a year. I worked for a fine dining farm to table, like true farm and restaurant uh, company in Illinois. And then I kind of got that need to go somewhere really far outside of my comfort zone again. And so I moved to Israel uh, and I lived in Israel for almost three years and I did marketing while I was there. And I, I'd gotten into marketing even in, prior to that. And it was during that time that I met Ares. And on our second date, he said, you know, I don't know what the future of our relationship holds, but I can see how miserable you are at your job. And I know a lot of people and I'd love to just be able to send your, you know, send your information. I'm sure I can, I can get you some jobs of people that would be interested in hiring you as a freelancer. And I was like, no, thank you so much, but no. And I just didn't have that confidence to even yeah. have somebody else put me out there that way. Uh, and we're both can be stubborn people at times. And I would say most of the time I win, but this is one area where eventually uh, Ares kind of chipped away at me. And it wasn't so much that I agreed as I was, by this point, we'd moved back to um, the States and I was away doing sales and marketing for a company at a conference. And I came home and he had a list of companies that, wanted to hear from me on Monday. And so, so much that that's kind of <laughs> how it all, that's began. a best friend, right? That's, I don't know. I think of it. 100. Like yeah, no, we were actually, we were at dinner uh, with my parents. My parents live here. And that is another reason why we love living here is we're really close with my parents and it's so fantastic to be in your family and get to spend time with them on a regular basis. And we were out to dinner and, you know, I was talking about how I feel like one of the things that at the core of our relationship, you know, cause we're married and we run a business together, which yeah. I think a lot of people hear about that. And it, it's like, Oh, that's so cool. That's so awesome. And it is awesome. And I'm so glad that I can share this experience with him, but it's also really challenging. And so as we were talking at dinner with my parents and I was saying how I feel like one of the core parts of our relationship that allows us to, you know, have a strong relationship and kind of confront all these things together is that we both really want to continue growing and being better versions of ourselves, but we also help 
push each other to be that for ourselves because you know as much as a lot of that has to come from within it is a really special gift to have somebody else that that kind of either sees what you don't see yet or um kind of gives you that nudge to push you before you're quite ready to leave the nest but they know that you can can fly you know once you you won't go flat on the ground yeah I think it's a it's a gift of some people to be able to see the potential in others you know and they have like official words for that like that kind of person that really is like a a gas to a flame um you know but having met your husband I can just say that whenever you walk away from talking to him you're just like you feel hotter you feel like you're like wow more confident you feel you stand a little taller like he's a very positive uplifting guy um you know i've only met him i think three or four four or five times actually a couple more times than you i think and he's just like every time i interact with him i'm just like wow like what you know he just like he's just a he's a he's an energy he's a light you know and um i think that i've had those people in my life too maybe less on the positive side but more so on the really trying to grow um and just being around them is like intoxicating like you know if i'm if he's going like my roommate now if he's going to the gym he was in the military seven years um very disciplined um you know i'm more on the creative side so i have discipline but like not at the same level um you know so he's going to the gym he's up early he's working late nights and before i had this roommate which we own a property management business together and an airbnb business we talked about that a little bit um but before we had that i I was living with um had a different roommate and he was just an engine he was an engineer with an amazing career but he would like go to work come home go to the gym play games you know he spent the rest of his time reading or doing whatever it wasn't like this like i'm building a business like i'm pushing myself to grow and nothing against him different goals right we were talking about that a little bit earlier um but it was i had to be completely motivated on my own each night to sit next to him but he watched TV or played games or was on Tinder or Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, I, I have work to do. I need to build my business, you know, versus the roommate I'm with now or the friend I'm with now that's like always pushing himself to grow. Um, it, you just feed off of it. And I think that that is something that you don't have to know exactly where you're trying to grow. Just know that you're trying to grow. And I think those are the relationships that make it those are the relationships that you know if you're constantly investing in each other whatever that looks like and trying to make each other achieve the goals that they're that you talk about and share maybe it's like i'm trying to get to italy or i'm trying to like spend more time with my mom or i'm trying to like you know be a better friend and you're like why don't you go hang out with gary you know or whatever and it's like you have those friends those people that just push you to be that whether it's business or life um they talk about being the sum of the five friends. I literally, it's so cliche, but oh my gosh, it's so real. Well, yeah. Especially if it's your partner. It's cliche for a reason because it really is true. I mean, I, because at least for me, I'm aware of of that on both sides. So I'm also aware of it when I'm around somebody that doesn't necessarily have that, you know, positive force and you can just feel how, cause I'm also very, a very sensitive person. And so I think that maybe I'm even a little bit more impacted by those types of things than perhaps the average person. But when I'm around people like that, it, it really takes it out of me. Like, I feel like my battery was depleted much faster and my outlook shifts. And so I really try to be thoughtful about 
who I spend time with and, um, and making sure that, you know, not necessarily cutting people out, but if they are people that take a little bit more from me, that I also know that when I'm engaging with them, that I'm in a position where I'm able to be giving and still walk away preserving myself and my core and not being better boundaries right like I think being like growing up here in the Midwest I was raised very religiously like very legalistic Christian with tons of rules and a lot of like I was sheltered um also had a great upbringing in a lot of ways like it was just a different upbringing and um I remember just being like where I grew up here in Africa was insanity but when I was here it would be like door in liberty it was like doors unlocked you didn't lock the front door. Like it was just like safe. If someone came by the house, it was like, Oh, give them some food. Like no one's going to hurt you. Like, you know, it was just very safe like that. And in the Christian community as well, it was like, if someone came in, like go be friends with them, they're new, you know, just very accepting and open. Um, And because that was like almost like the culture as a kid is taking me into my adult years to be able to learn some of those boundaries around. Okay. This isn't necessarily an evil person, but they're also not great for my like energy or my boundaries. And like, I think I was actually talking to your husband about this and briefly at um, ASGTG in, in Brooklyn, um, you had just spoke, I think in the morning and I had gotten there right after. And I was just like, Oh man, I missed it. Uh, he was like, yeah, maybe we should have put Emma a little later in the day, but you know, she gets like nervous if she has to wait all day to go on. Cause you know, you just hold that energy all day that you're trying to wait, you know? And, um, and those events exhaust me. Like, I just am someone very sensitive as well. I'd almost say like an empath, if you want to call it that, or just, you know, sensitive. Uh, you know, my mom literally prayed over me my whole life to be sensitive. I'm like, mom, you screwed me. But uh, <laughs> as a male, you know, like, it's not necessarily like easy um, to be tough all the time, you know. And so those events where it's great people, but they all want something from you in some way. That's why we're there in the same way I am, it's a networking event or whatever, but you know, you may be shaking hands or bumping elbows with a hundred people. Um, and there's, even if it was 10% of those people that are more of like an energy suck, right? It's just like, you get, you get through an event in a couple hours and it's just like, whoa, like how many different people did I interact with? You know? Um, so I don't know if you can relate to that, but for me, I love those events. And at the same time, if you ever see me just looking wild eyed, you know, it's just cause I'm just like, I need to recharge. I need to get somewhere and, you know, um, recenter. I'm right there with you. Ares is the opposite. So he's like, you know, you get done with the full day and he's like, where to next? That was awesome. He's I'm a giver. Pumped. He's yeah. a giver. And, like, and yeah. yeah. And I'm, but I'm like you where by the end of the day, I'm just like, I need to go sit somewhere by myself and just kind of like be and, and re- regain my, or be My around center. those people that are givers, right? Like be around those people that can give back and aren't just takers. Um, people aren't even really aware of most of that, you know? So it's not even yeah. an intentional thing. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, you know, it's even more important when you're in a position of like trying to create something. There is so much sort of like self-doubt and challenge that you're constantly intentionally choosing, you know, whether it's a business or a creative endeavor or or whatever it is. And so if you're exposing yourself too much, 
to people that are more on the taking side, then it can really be antagonistic towards the ability to do all the things that you need to do. And so I've noticed that, especially in the last five years of our, of really working on growing this business, I've even been more selective in opting for, you know what, maybe I'll just stay home tonight because I don't know that I necessarily want to go spend time around people that yes, it's going and being social, but at the end of the night, I'm going to come, come home. I'm not going to feel great. And then I'm sort of like thrown backwards instead of taking that time to read or go on a walk or do other things that I know will be positive and restorative for myself. Um, Cause you know, starting a business and growing a business is, is like just constantly getting your butt kicked. And if it's not, then it probably means that you're playing it safe and mm-hmm. you need to find ways to start getting your, <laughs> your butt kicked. No, but. I, you're exactly, you're exactly right. And I mean, I could talk about this subject all day because I just 100% believe that you're aware, your self-awareness, your, the work on your mental health, the work on your boundaries, like, you know, all of that stuff you learn in therapy or self-help books if you're reading them or you can find it like i've i've learned so much in just self-discovery and you know the episode title is called the power of curiosity i think we're going to talk about some business curiosity but they're the they're the same um and you know we're going to talk about amazon and it's really a testing platform you got to try this you got to try that will this work i don't know um for me it was i went through a divorce like um eight years ago And on the other side of that was just like, I was starting at zero. I was just completely empty and, you know, at the bottom, like a lot of people find themselves at some point in life. And I just started becoming so aware of what I ate and who I was around and how they made me feel and what music I listened to and what show was on TV. And um, did that make me upset? Did that bring back a memory? Did that like, you know, it was just like that type of timing. Um, But because it was so raw, then I feel like it was just, a speed course in learning some of that like awareness stuff, I guess. And um, man, if to anyone listening, like tip of the day, like you make a list of people that you think are givers or takers in your life. If you just had to quickly say whether they're a giver or a taker, um, there's going to be a lot fewer givers than takers in your, in your, in your piece of paper. If you do this like exercise, Um, but like the difference in even just cutting off like two takers that are just like sucking your energy whether it's a client, right? Whether it's a family member, whether it's a friend, um, it's like almost eye-opening. You're just like, oh my God, I'm going to cut everyone off. Uh, you know, because <laughs> you're just like, uh, there's a time for that, I think. Um, but let's, okay, let's stop there because I literally am so passionate about this subject. I'm like, I, I'm like Isabel, I think in, in some ways talking about like the <laughs> mental game, but it's like, it really, when you realize it is the mental game, the fortitude that's going to be able to, have you take the licks that you get every single day, like, and get back up. Um, so if it's the mental health that gets you back up and it's not the IQ or it's not the connections, you know, it's, then what are we focusing on? You know, like that yeah. becomes the end goal. So um, yeah. we, we, we talked about your husband. It relates more to like maybe the business topic of this podcast than what, may at first appear to the eyes, you know, this idea of curiosity, I think it really starts with looking curiously at ourselves. And when it comes to things like marketing or branding or positioning products or anything like that, it's the more that you can be attuned to how you respond to something, 
then the more that you can also start to be attuned to how other people would respond to things. So if you can put yourself into that position of what does it really feel like to be a customer in, you know, in this problematic position that they find themselves in or just being bored and looking for a, you know, little bit of excitement that, that comes along with buying something online or whatever it is, if you can be aware of that within yourself, then you can think about how to translate that into what you're doing when you're putting together every single decision you make, whether it's the colors that you're using for your logo or the, um, you know, the, the approach that you take with the tone of voice that you use with your copy or even the points that you bring out. Um, and so it's not necessarily a skill that, is typically seen on the top of the list of what you need in order to be successful. But I think that curiosity is really something that the more that you can embrace that and lean into it, it will enable you to ask better questions and also to be able to be more thoughtful uh, about how what you do with the answers that you find to those questions. Boom, we could stop it right there. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, for real though, I legitimately, you know, I lost a client on Monday or Tuesday. Um, we've been working with for four months and I won't name them, but like I'm going to tell a little bit about, I think their lack of curiosity. Um, that was a struggle point. Um, you know, it was coming to a point where sales weren't the same as last year in the pandemic and uh you know cost per click which is advertising on the side of, of amazon was you know 15 to 20 dollars when they were used to getting a three dollar average cost per click last year and so the person that had been running their stuff was gone he had gotten sick and so it was kind of the owner speaking to me versus maybe the last one that had been running stuff so there was there was some you know loss of communication um but ultimately, we had been like, okay, what's working? What's not working? You know, we were working on branding and sales copy and doing a lot of things that Marknology does outside of PPC. Um, but in the PPC calls, I was trying to let them know, like, what's been going on. Okay, so I'm like, you know, there's some stuff happening in the economy from like, um, from aggregators to, you know, after the pandemic to like, you know, PPC costs are going way up. Um, do we have a history of this? You know, as like, I was asking questions like, are you guys doing anything off Amazon? You know, did that dial up or dial down? Did we launch new products? Did we switch out ASINs? Did we like do anything that would have changed from last year, even though we shouldn't even be looking at last year because the pandemic year is an outlier, right? So you're like kind of bringing, okay, why are we seeing different results? It's not the blame game. It's legitimately like, let's look at all these factors and what's going on. Um, and it's like, okay, the goal was like, let's push budget. Okay, so we wanted to be able to spend, I think it was like 60,000 a month in PPC. We were spending about 40 with the good ROAS. When we went to spend the, spend the extra 20, we saw it like really climb. It was like, if we want to go get this extra spend out here, it's like really costing us to go get it. So it was like, you know, my suggestions were like, let's dial back down to where we were and let's try one of these 10 things that like, you know, they all might make offset the difference or, or provide another way. Curiosity, right? We, we are an analyzing the problem. We're kind of seeing what's going on. It's not like here's a clear path to resolution. It's here's the data. Here's the question that's being posed to us, what's going on. And then the power of curiosity says, let's go into these different things and let's test them. 
Let's see if this makes a difference. Let's see if changing the photo from white to blue makes a difference. Let's see if a coupon makes a difference. Let's see if changing the copy out from parental control to, you know, family or like, you know, just like you got to test, 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 test. Um, and the client was just ignoring all of the suggestions coming back a week later, or two weeks later and being like, what, you know, what's going on? What are we going to do about it? And it was like, well, we have to do some of these things. We have to, it's insanity to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. So you have to be curious. You have to be professionally curious. Um, and so it didn't work out because I'm going to speak my mind and say, Hey, if we don't get on the same page, it's not going to work. You know, if we don't get curious about our customers, if we don't get curious about the landscape of Amazon, if we don't get curious about why our customers are reacting to us this way or that way, then we're not really here to serve the customers, which at the end of the day is, is, you know, how you, how you run a good business. So, and I took a minute to get out, but that was like a real life situation or a real life example of, to me, um, not embracing curiosity when faced with, you know, an issue or a problem and just being like, we want things to change without being curious. That's like, you know, there's no way to get, to get results that way. Um, I want to go back into your story if we can real quick. So sure. we, we stopped when you met your husband and you, or well, actually I think you were back in the U S and he said you had come back from a sales conference, um, or a marketing conference and he had a list of companies for you to try. And then we kind of went into you guys working together, but I think there's a gap there. We're missing some of the story. Sure. So yeah, I, I'd been working for a health and wellness company and I think he saw that that was not a positive match and that that time was coming to an end. And so he took the opportunity of being left home alone for, you know, five days to set up a business in my ab absence. And at the time, it was really more of a, okay, this is a freelance type of thing. It's something that we can, if we want to travel around, we can do this while we're on the road. It's, you know, it can be a, a source of income for Option. us. And yeah, yeah you know, I, n not really thinking um, a lot about it. We were already at that time pretty honed in on the Amazon space uh, because- How did that happen? Eris, so um, Eris is from Israel and there's actually a pretty large Amazon uh, seller community there and so he had a lot of friends that were involved in that from all sides as sellers as service providers as you know with courses and all those things and so they they were you know kind of reinforcing like yes good copy is definitely something that we need and this was back in the day of like you maxed out every you know those 500 characters per bullet and like EBC or A plus like was pretty rare and not that many people were doing it. And it also just looked really not impressive. You know, it was super clunky. And what year was this? Do you know? So this was 2016. Okay. Advertising just and came out in 15 and then in 16, like we just got brand registry. So all the third, all for anyone listening, like every, you to have like a beautiful page on Amazon, you almost had to be selling like wholesale or like retail to Amazon with one P and they had just released that like third party sellers or private labels or brands could register a trademark and get access to all these things. But it was just happening at that time. Yeah. And it was a really long process to get it. And it didn't necessarily seem like at that point that it was 
worth all the time and headache and there you know there just wasn't as robust of Data. offering of privileges or really anything um and so i sorry let me backtrack for a moment no, so that's yeah. kind of how we got into amazon and i mean okay. when he first brought this idea to me i was like amazon what are you talking about like i didn't know that there were third-party sellers that were using amazon as a marketplace uh, and so I learned what it took to, you know, do keyword research and write a listing and, um, kind of just like started, there were a few people that through word of mouth, we connected with, we did work, they were happy. And honestly, it just kind of spread like wildfire without really, um, like, a lot of effort or even necessarily being prepared for it mm -hmm. you know so it's just me doing the writing uh Ares is doing more of the like sales and client relationships and all of those sorts of things and I remember one day in particular where we'd gotten approved to post in a large group in Israel offering a free listing analysis and I didn't make it out of my pajamas that day which to be fair, isn't that unusual of an occurrence in my life? I spend many You're a writer. Working, You're a writer, you know? yeah. <laughs> but I remember, like, I didn't even end up making it off of the couch. Like, I just got stuck on the couch, and there was, you know, person after person that was approaching. And I feel like that was really one of the turning points for us. And so from there, um, we also started to kind of grow organically beyond Israel, um, as the Amazon community tends to do when they like something, they tell people about it. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden we were getting people approaching from like Australia and Kazakhstan and Brazil and like all these random places. And so I'm like, okay, well me just kind of like knowing in my mind when I promise people these projects isn't going to work anymore. So I figured out a really archaic, uh, you know, just using essentially Google sheet to project manage. And, you know, at the time it was like using a free invoicing tool online. Uh, I can relate. For I can relate. Yeah. PayPal or Payoneer or, you know, Venmo and, so it was just like, it, it kind of became a boot camp of how do you create a business and how do you, you know, how can you automate this and how, where, you know, identifying when you need to bring in somebody, whether it's a accountant and bookkeeper or um, hiring employees or any of those things. And so... I still feel like most of the time I have no idea what I'm doing, but I kind of feel like that's also the place to, to be like kind of back to what I was saying, or you need to get your butt kicked. Like I get bored if things feel easy. So as much as it can be stressful and overwhelming, we like, ah, I have no idea how to solve this problem. I also just kind of try my best to um, like lean into that. And I think there's also a weird part of me that feeds off of that intensity and even that like i don't think i can do this which sounds crazy but maybe probably self-doubt is. is natural <laughs> self-doubt is natural we're, like, we're from the midwest where we're raised to be humble um you know almost to a fault 
yeah. but like you know that's what entrepreneurship is and like um you're exactly right like it's feel the fear and do it anyway you know it's lean into it it's um i'm scared of everything like i grew up in congo <laughs> like i like grew up around fear honestly um and but i also have a lot of courage it's like they go hand in hand like equal amounts of fear equal amounts of courage um you know and so it's leaning into those new things becoming a podcast host was like super overwhelming for me i used to have a stutter when i talked in front of people or all kinds of things you know that you just i'm gonna do it why not it's a great opportunity someone gave it you know put it in front of me i'm gonna reach out and grab it um i think to a lot of people listening that maybe haven't started um even people that are you know my business just turned seven uh even people that are seven years in thank you in august uh, still don't know what we're doing like you know at each level there's another like i don't i'm learning how to manage people and and sign a commercial lease and negotiate that or like you know taxes learning taxes at a high level now that you're like you know your business is doing better how do you like navigate that and um it just comes like person by person as you try to put yourself out there and you meet someone that can help you in this way and you can help them in this way and you kind of learn that one thing you've been struggling with for two years and it just kind of clicks and um what's that balance look like you know so for me it always all comes back to this mental health stuff we were talking about or this like awareness or this mindset or having a professional curiosity or having a mindset of abundance or um, I'm not going to let this client um, you know, degrade me or my people or whatever the case might be, because I believe that there's something better out there for us or a client that's more aligned with us. Um, you know, and I think that's what your husband had when he saw you working for a company that you weren't happy with. You can see that in your people without them even saying things, you know, and it's like, there's something that's going to be aligned with, um, you better. And I'm someone that was in a band. I was in a Christian band for like five years before I, I was going to school and, and touring the U.S., playing music, trying to live, trying to be free and have freedom in my life and get out of the Midwest. And um, e-commerce was the perfect thing for me um, because it was this like it was half creativity in, in so many ways. Like, how do you get access to these products and how do you you're solving all these problems creatively? And then also um, the data side of it. So I would, I was always good with computers and like, you know, building computers with my dad and went to school for computer science. So it was a mixture of like this band boy, uh, you know, at the time, but like being data driven with the way we look into keywords and SEO research and, you know, PPC. And so it was like, oh, this is right in the middle. Um, I did a whole lot of things before I got here. And then, you know, when I found it, it was... Um, that creative side like i was i was involved before like it had been proven out that seo mattered you know and i just remember being like yeah why wouldn't how can seo not matter it's a search engine you know like and just put banging my head against the wall and the forums and stuff like that and um so being able to kind of as time evolved and we were able to prove hey like if we do this to this listing this a plus page or get this copy or change out this title or like look at the difference in results and there's enough people doing those tests that kind of just like has paved the way for a lot of how we you know brand and market on amazon today um power of curiosity just to bring it back home like you know it's totally. the power of just like test 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 try 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 um you know figure out what works for you so you're nine pjs today I'm not in PJs. Of course. Well, yeah, so it, I mean, the top half of me is not in PJs. I, the bottom half actually is also not. It's in, but it is in uh, leggings because. Hey, this I everyone just, everyone works from home now. So it used to be just like the entrepreneurs that figured out this digital stuff. Now it's everybody. So um, 
no, it's it's perfectly okay. Tell me, let's talk about marketing by Emma. What's next? And let's give like a couple minutes talking about what what you've created, what you've built. Sure. Uh, so marketing by Emma, we really love working with e-commerce businesses that are looking to connect with their dream customers uh, through the power of words. So I am a big believer in the impact that what you write on a product page or an Amazon listing does have a, a meaningful effect on the action that a customer takes. And it's not just about driving sales, but it's also about making sure that you're driving the right kind of sales. Uh, you know, I think that's something that people don't really spend a lot of time thinking about, but yeah. with the ease of returns, the sales actually not fully made until you get the product home and decide that you want to keep it. Yeah. And I wish I could say that like, I'm a better shopper, but a lot of times, honestly, the listings are so poorly done that they're, you're kind of forced to do that. So like I needed a new toiletry bag and all of the toiletry bags on Amazon were kind of atrocious and photos aren't great. It's just hard to sort of understand. And I'm just like, I'm going to order three of these things and the two that I don't like, you know, I'm not going to use return. all of them, but like the two that I, uh, the zipper doesn't feel good or whatever. Like I'm just going to, and I, I dropped them off uh, at the UPS store earlier yeah, today was. as a matter of fact. Yeah. And I mean, it took two seconds, you know, they scan your QR code. And, and so I think that's really important to think about is you don't want to be making the wrong kind of sales. And that can happen either because you're misrepresenting something or because you're just not doing a good enough job of explaining it. And so a lot of times when you're talking about copywriting, you're talking about, you know, the power of persuasion, but just as important is making sure that you are clearly communicating what the product is, what it does. And so that people can, make that decision without a lot of extra effort. Um, there's that. no and Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. That's that's just huge. Like what she just said right there if you're an Amazon seller or selling in e-commerce um is so 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 true. It's not just you don't just need sales copy. You need accurate sales copy specifically on Amazon because that return rate, you know, we had a, a listing that was getting like 26% return. Like that was the return rate on this listing and it was a couple hundred dollar item. Um, and it was just crushing the seller as a particular color. It was that it was just like everything from their images to their copy was focused on selling the item and convincing people to buy. There was no educational piece. And so yeah. that was really what we switched up was like, well, let's, let's try to make sure that if anyone buys this, they know exactly what they're getting. And let's just go like full blown on the educational side. And I think we cut it by like, from like 26% down to like, I think 11% the first time that like we made that big change. And that was like a huge, huge, huge difference. So like, yeah, we saw less on the sales side, but we saw way less on the return side, which ultimately made the business a lot more profitable. And that's not even right. bringing into effect the PPC stuff, right? So yeah. huge. Yeah. And like, think about it also, all those returns, each one of them is an opportunity for a negative review for someone to feel, you know, upset that something was misrepresented or not what they thought, you know, not what they thought it was going to be. Um, but also by making sure that you get more of the right sales, then you also create an opportunity for more positive reviews. So there are just all these different elements at play beyond just the conversion rate. Of course, you know, let's get that conversion rate as high as possible. 
but let's also make sure that that's a number that's not artificially inflated by a bunch of people buying something that they don't that they realize they didn't actually want at the end um and then the other piece that's so important that i think is not often tied to coffee is really that brand identity piece and especially on a platform like amazon that there's so much choice the branding you know everything from the imagery you use but even down to whether you have a sense of humor and not just whether you have a sense of humor is your sense of humor you know really dry and sarcastic or is it playful and um, a little goofy or you know like that level of specificity is really important because those choices that you're making creatively are maybe some of the only things that you have to actually truly differentiate your brand and your product so they are really important and as customers we're looking for opportunities to feel connected to the purchases that we make. Of course, a lot of times that's not what ends up happening, but it's not because we don't want that. It's just because, you know, either that's all we have. If you don't know, right. you don't know. Right. Right. Uh, but like the, the brands that end up being really successful, especially when you're looking kind of like not just how can I make a best-selling product and, and that's it, you know, that that's temporary. It's always, possible for somebody to come in and either spend way more aggressively with their advertising or, you know, drop their prices until you just can't afford to stay in the game. You know, there's all sorts of tactics you can use, but just being a, a bestseller, even if you have thousands of reviews, that's not a guarantee that you're going to stay in the top place forever. Like, a lot of the clients that we've been um, connecting with over the last year are people that started five, six, seven years ago. So they had that momentum. They were selling really well. They've got thousands of reviews. And now they're like, what do I do? Like, I, my, I'm just not able to be competitive in the same way that I was. And there are all these other people that are coming into the game and, and so they're realizing like, oh yeah, the listing does matter. And um, we're able to show really meaningful results through being intentional about how we uh, use words to be able to, um, you know, facilitate a, a conversation. Yeah. It's creating a relationship really... with your customers, right? Like as fast yes. as possible. Yes, exactly. And it is even though it's you're writing on a page and then somebody's reading it, ideally it is somewhat of a dialogue, even though it's not happening in real time where you're anticipating the questions that they're going to have. You understand what they care about. You're addressing those concerns head on. Uh, and so even though it seems static, it should be this kind of more dynamic type of, of engagement. And let's also not forget that your product page is, really one of the only places that you have to speak directly to your customers. And so why not make sure that you're really thoughtful about that? But there's so many times that I've met like brand owners or manufacturers that are used to selling to target and, and pallets, you know, and so they're just now selling online where they're talking to their customers and getting direct feedback. And, you know, you can hear them, the frustration in their voice when they're telling you about this product that they're super passionate about and they just don't understand why customers don't get it, you know? And what I say to them is just like, I'm trying to take like 
as if you get a chance to talk to every single customer that comes, you know, that comes across your website, as if you, the owner, as passionate as you are about this product. Cause if you told me that in person, I'm buying it. You've convinced me, you know, a lot of times it's like, they truly believe in it. I'm, I would give it a shot. Right. But we're not getting to talk to that owner, that maker, that brand a lot of times. And instead we're having a dialogue with images and, and copy and reviews. And it's, it's a digital relationship. It's a digital trust. Um, and I'd say one thing that subconsciously is happening and you kind of touch base on it with the humor piece. Um, but that's a great example of something that like, let's say if we're about building trust and quality and, and some of that is like made in USA, but that's not even a real thing anymore. It's assembled in USA or like, you know, we're a global world now, sure. um, but we all still want quality and we want this made with good companies that are making it and made with quality ingredients and not slave labor and not child labor and not like any of that, you know? And so, um, you know what conveys that good American humor, right? Because a Chinese brand has a really hard time localizing our language, uh, like to different areas of the country, localizing our humor that, you know, if you've ever traveled the world, you can see the difference in marketing and humor, you know, that the different cultures have. Um, and that's something that like brands like Manscaped or Ballsy brand, which is a brand that just sold that we had, um, rest in peace. We were crushing it, but they just sold to one of the aggregators. Um, you know, they it was so funny. It's it's a it's a men's you know um, sensitive area body wash and that kind of stuff, right? And it's like, but they just did it in such a tasteful, funny way um, that I think you found yourself wanting to read the emails in case they make you chuckle or you know those things that typically I would just delete without opening it. Um, and that is something that I think. Um, other other countries with brands could do that well by by getting some locals but that's something that like if you want to stand out if you want to be something that can't be copied if you want to be something unique you want to create not a non me too brand focus on it doesn't have to be humor but the point being focus on something that can set you apart um, and really create that relationship with with your customers um, and i think you've just nailed it um, I've been super passionate about that subject for so long. And I actually hired, I took a sales copywriting course last year and hired some, some pros to work with me for like eight weeks in Marknology. Um, so not on the Amazon side, but in regards to like automating emails and kind of getting my voice and tone and, um, learn so much really in a short amount of time because I've understood the SEO data driven side of Amazon copywriting. Um, but understanding the sales copy and really how to flow, you know, a conversation or, or get in your own language where there's not a big difference between how I'm talking to you now and how my emails come across, for example, um, is something that if you don't know or you don't know what you don't know, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And um, it, it, take a test. Be curious to the brands that are coming to you now that have been we're doing it. They could just be like, oh, my God, it's not like it used to be in the glory days and just complaining and like frustrated. Or they could be like okay, what's an area we haven't given enough attention? What's an area we can dig into? Like they're, they're being curious, um, you know, to try to solve those problems. I, we're coming up on 50 minutes. I want to leave you a little bit of time here. Uh, you just have like, I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. Um, what, we talked about what, what Marketing by Emma does and it like helps people connect with their customers through copy around e-commerce companies being, whether they're on Amazon or websites, I'm sure, or I think even on your site, it says product packaging inserts and on the packaging. Um, creating that brand voice across the unity, across the different things you're doing. 
Um, where can people connect with you? You know, if they want to work with you and kind of see what that looks like or get some help, like what's the best way for people to reach you? Yeah. So our website, marketingbyemma.com is a great place to go. We do also that uh, listing analysis offer that first kept me on the couch you know, however many years ago that was, uh, we do still offer that today. Fortunately, it doesn't keep me stuck on the couch anymore because I also have a team that can help me manage those. So we're all, always happy to just take a look at what you have and give you some feedback on things that we see maybe areas for you to consider uh, improving or rethinking or whatnot. Um, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash marketing by emma if you prefer to connect that way uh and on our website you can also find email phone whatsapp or on all the platforms okay got it and i'll have all of that information in the show notes as well but in case anyone's driving i want you guys to be able to stay connected you know just uh just if i think last month we were on the charts of the number one entrepreneurship podcast in israel so that's cool. Yeah, we have global stats. We're in almost every country but one, I think, in the world as far as having listeners. And in Israel, we hit the number one spot, at least at that time. So um, awesome. that, that makes a lot of sense that there's a lot of Amazon sellers. We were kind of just curious as a team, like, whoa, um, you know, to hit that spot there. We, I think we hit number top 24 all time. I'm bragging a little bit, but hearing the U.S., so all time. Congratulations. Thank you. That's but I think really a lot cool. of our listeners are from Israel, so they might resonate well with you and your husband's story. Um, and I hope that you guys reach out. So, well, you know, I have to interrupt you really quickly. Yeah, no, um, so Israel for a long time has been known as a startup nation and there have been studies and all sorts of things because it is, it kind of just people don't can't figure out how is it that this tiny country of roughly 8 million people can be so innovative and just have one, you know, runaway company after the next. But now it's not just the startup nation. It's I think also is getting the name of the unicorn nation because of the amount of unicorns that have been funded just even in the last few years. So it's they there is something uh, so probably a lot of something, something. <laughs> about. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I just, I think it's so many different factors that coalesce that um, make it an incredibly entrepreneurial society. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you have a lot of listeners there. No. Yeah. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners. I hope that goes, that goes unsaid. Like we really appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, you know, I, I can resonate a lot with that being from Africa and just like Africa's full of entrepreneurs. Like every family is an entrepreneur in regards to like, how are they going to get by? And uh, a lot of them all work for themselves and, you know, make, have made, I have some stories of entrepreneurship out of Africa that are just unreal and deserve to be blockbuster movie type stories, you know? Um, just from the absolute dirt to sending their kids away to school and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I think that just like um, I've always considered myself a white Midwestern male, but with like a heart, uh, an African heart that is really feels like an immigrant. I really moved here at uh, 16 years old. So um, and that's something that you have in common. And when people think about like those countries and just their environments and um, when you're encouraged, your entire culture and community encourages you to go try something and start something and, and be innovative and all, almost order to survive. Um, 
it's just a there's a different level of fear and courage you know that i yeah. that i love being around those kinds of people i love those kinds of communities because it's just like you leave it and you're just like fired up so i've been having a lot of combos even with um a lot of startups in israel and we're getting on at like 9 p.m or weird times to make yeah. those things happen but um that's just become new to me the startup community there so that's like new news to me um, as I've been networking a little bit post pandemic and in, in the Amazon world, I'm just like blown away by the startups coming out of Israel. So, um, really an amazing story. And Emma, I could talk to you all day. We might have to have a part two just to cover you know, <laughs> what, what's going on, but I, I know I'll see you around. We end up at a lot of the same events. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great way to spend my afternoon. You got it. And uh, thanks again to our listeners and to our sponsor for today's episode, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. If you're looking for developers or in the market to, to build an app, build anything around that supplement, your team you already have, FullScale.io is the place to go. We'll talk to you next time, hustlers. Startup Hustles brought to you by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.